Yeah, what is going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of From My Experience Podcast. I hope you all are doing very well in this nice, warm summer weather. I hope y'all have been able to get out of the house if you've been cramped in the house like myself. And I just hope that you're doing well. How are y'all doing out there? And I, I also want to give a very special thank you to everyone who likes shares and subscribes to the podcast. I definitely appreciate all of the love and support. Um, without you all listening, there'd really be no reason for me doing this. And you know, we want to promote positivity. Um, and I just like to share my personal journey with you. And I like to have on very special guests to share their journey with you all as well as motivation. Because all of us out there are trying to accomplish something. We're trying to get something done. And sometimes you feel all alone like you're the only one who's going through it or the only one who's been through it. When that's simply not true. That <laughs> There's someone going through what you're going through right now. So hopefully either myself or one of my guests has an experience that you can relate to, and most of us have gotten on the other side of things, and maybe those words of encouragement and wisdom are just what you need to get on the other side of whatever it is you're going through. You already know you can follow us, FME underscore podcast on Instagram, on Fanbase. Join the Facebook group from My Experience Podcast, and coming very soon fmepodcast.com. We're going to have some great things on the website. One of the things I'm the most excited about is going to be our very interactive blog. Shout out to Erica Brooks, the world's greatest intern who now works with the podcast full time. She'll be heading up a nice blog with some very interesting topics, and we definitely want y'all to jump in and share your opinions in the comments. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. I just wanted to give y'all a little tidbit. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest in the building. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like I said in the intro, y'all know I like to have special guests on here. And this gentleman is one, he's a fellow Claflinite. I've had a few Claflinites on, on the show, um, but this gentleman is doing some very very good things out there and um, I recently just supported one of his businesses which we'll talk about and I love the product that I have and I was like yo I need to have him on the podcast so I reached out and he obliged so ladies and gentlemen without further ado we have the founder and owner of Impactful Enterprises LLC Dr. Walter Lee Dr. Lee, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you? I am doing well. I am doing well. Um, I, I got to start with this. So I, I got to mm -hmm. start with this. So <laughs> I had I had an order I wanted to go on with these questions. I'm going to ask you one question first, but I want to get into your product line because, yeah, I'm... I'm thoroughly pleased with what I have, and I, I can't wait for you to tell our listeners about it. But I'm going to start off with this question. Who is Dr. Walter Lee? Oh, my gosh. Why did you have to start there first? That's usually the hardest one to explain. I can tell you about the products and all the ingredients and the benefits, but then you start off with the creator. Oh, my gosh. That's hard. They're here for you. <laughs> That's like quoting... 
that's like quoting the book of Genesis. My gosh. Okay, so let's go. Um, I am a ball of energy. I am inquisitive. I am creative, a creator. Um, I'm self-aware. I'm becoming. Um, I am a student of life. I don't like for people to call me an expert. To call me an expert is to say that I've arrived. I may have arrived somewhere, but I haven't arrived at final. Um, I'm perfecting, I'm not perfect. Um, so I don't want people to ever refer to me as an expert at what I do. I like to be called a student. I'm a student of life, I'm a student of experiences. And most importantly, I'm a student of myself. Um, I love learning. Um, some of my friends are telling me, you're too deep. You just need to chill. You need to relax. And I'm like, no, but there's a lesson in this. And I want to be the one that gets it <laughs> so I can teach it. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Um, but on the way I show up in the physical as a human is I am Dr. Walter Lee, an assistant professor of middle level education. I own Impactful Enterprises. Um, and I do business as Dr. Walt's company where I make plant-based cosmetics. Um, I'm known for a whole lot of other stuff. Like when we were at Claflin, I was the barber in high rise for four <laughs> or five years at the time. I was even cutting Dean Perry's hair <laughs> after hours. I would go up to the office and I would cut his hair. I didn't even know Mama that. Wilson, Yolanda Wilson, she would come up to the room and get her eyebrows done. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. So, uh-huh. So when people think Walter Lee, they're looking at this one person. And I'm like, man, y'all, I'm multidimensional in a flat world. I'm not just this one image that you see right now. I've been evolving. Um, and yeah, that's Walter Lee. Boom. <laughs> I love and, it. And I was doing gospel choir while I was there. Shout out to Dream. I was with Brandon and Myesha and Mama Dash and Kim Gilliard. Like all of us were there. Um, and then I turned around and started doing music and blah, 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 blah. And then I stopped with that. And so I've just been evolving over the years. And it's just interesting to kind of look back and reflect. Yes. Claflin was a beautiful place, is a still a beautiful place. And mm -hmm. it's just chock full of so many memories and just so many lessons and so much growth. And I remember seeing you around campus. Um, I was older and I was I should have been on my way out sooner. Actually, I, I don't think I was supposed to be there by the time you got there. But anyway, um, <laughs> I do remember seeing you around campus. Very sharp. Um, never heard a bad thing about you. Um, and now I see you today and it's just like, wow, this guy has really transitioned onto so many great things. Hence why I needed to have you on here. Now you mentioned Dr. Walt's company. So tell us more about your company. Right before I do that, I want to give a shout out to Maurice Williams, Dr. Maurice Williams now. Oh, Maurice! He recruited me to Claflin. <laughs> Yes, he recruited me at Claflin back in 2006 while he was a student, and he just finished his PhD this week at Clemson. He defended his dissertations. I want to give him a shout out. Oh, let me give and him for those who are trying to. Oh man! <laughs> so for those and for those who try to remember me on campus. I almost want to say, don't remember me, because my best friend, Trey McNeil, who sang on the concert choir, would say he couldn't dress. <laughs> so I don't want nobody to go back and have memories of me on campus. As Trey would say, I, I couldn't dress. <laughs> but anywho, my company now, Dr. Walt's company, I got started 
um, officially on October 28, um, 2018. It was because I was at the end of my PhD journey at Compton and I had experienced a high degree of stress. A couple of years before I realized that I had eczema, adult eczema, I would break out on my legs and sometimes in the fold of my arms or my neck, um, my waistline behind my knee, anywhere where my skin folded, that's why I would experience the breakouts because of the compilation of sweat and heat. Um, and I was watching this YouTube video and this lady said, I would not put it on my skin if I can't put it in my mouth. And I was like, oh. So I went in the kitchen. I got me some coconut oil. I got me some olive oil. I got me some lemon juice. I got me some honey. I ran upstairs and I got me some of that yellow shea butter that you get from Charleston at the market. Mm-hmm. I went there, I went and I started whipping stuff up. And then I went and I was a, reg- I was a regular at Whole Foods and Garner's Life where I was getting a lot of my ingredients at the time. And I kept going and four or five months later, I had this little formula that I had whipped up that I was using for my skin. And I went home and my mom said, what are you using? My cousin exclaimed the same. And I finally told them, they said, make me some, I'll buy it. And I was like, y'all, I don't want to sell it because y'all get so happy. (laughs) True. But you use something that you know you're allergic to that you don't need and you want to sue me, but you never touched Dove. Mm. Okay. Not saying that Dove breaks anybody out because I don't want them coming after me legally. <laughs> but I'm just saying that as an example. Arm and hammer. How about that? Go bump. <laughs> yes. No lawsuits, y'all. No lawsuits. Listen. So um, I finally did it. And since 2018, I've been going strong with making butters, lip balms, soaps. Um, and again, my inspiration for it was the fact that I was dealing with eczema. So I wanted to find something that worked for me. And coincidentally, others wanted the same because I didn't, I guess I was oblivious to the fact that others were dealing with it. And they also wanted a natural solution. And so now people buy it because they one deal with eczema or some type of skin infliction Two, they want to embrace a more plant style, plant-based journey with their cosmetics and three, sometimes because they want to support me, but I like for that to be on the back burner. I want you to use it because it works. I want you to use it because it's good stuff. You might get upset with me, (laughs) but still get it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want you to base your support on just me. No, I make good stuff. Yes. I I'm a testament to that. Um, I try my best to make sure one, I support black owned businesses and you're one of the people, um, Who's like I said before we started recording, um, I've seen some of your accomplishments and some of your achievements. Um, and I saw you promoting your products. And I kind of have a baseline of products that I use. Like I don't really have any skin issues, but I'm very except for my scalp. So my scalp does get dry, but years ago I discovered coconut oil. And literally, coconut oil is literally the only thing I use in my hair. Like coconut oil and maybe like some almond oil mixed with it to give it more of a scent, but I don't put anything else in my hair and I use one specific shampoo. Um, And typically, typically I use a a very specific lotion. Um, They're not paying me, so I ain't gonna say their name, but (laughs) (laughs) it's been very good, but their lotion is very expensive. It's like $10 for like 12 ounces. Mm. Um, So I was looking, I've been looking at some of your products and I was like, let me support this brother. Then when I saw you had oil, I was like, oh, because I know oil can be used for a variety of things. Mm -hmm. 
And so when I saw, oh, keep moisturizing all day, and I was looking at the scents, and I was like, all right, let me buy some of this oil. Y'all, I bought this oil it's maybe probably over two weeks ago. I literally mm-hmm. have not used lotion since. It keeps moisture in all day. It's not a heavy scent, but enough of it is there for you to be noticed. My skin is softer. My skin is smoother. Um, and I'm going to have a hard time going back to lotion. Like, lotion is now the emergency. All right, I forgot to get an elbow or something <laughs> like that. But your oil is awesome. Like, I love it. Like, I got to order some more because I'm going through it. Um, but I was just, I was amazed because, you know, so many people put products out there. Sometimes, you know, typically they're good. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't had any really bad experiences, but like this, like really caught me. I was like, oh shoot, like this is literally replacing my lotion, and it's just, it just gives me a better feel. Like, so mm-hmm. thank you for taking, you know, what you were going through and being bold and kind enough to want to share it with others. Well, it did come with resistance at first. <laughs> <laughs> I could imagine, man. Yeah, you know, sometimes you're doing your own thing. People are like, oh, let me get a piece of that. It's like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> and it also comes with a lot of um, a lot of uh, patience too. Like, I I started making butter in November of 2017. I didn't land a solidified recipe until June of 2018. Mm. And so it's that several months of me in the kitchen constantly failing forward um, and making those mistakes that kind of helped me arrive. The oil, I started the oil two years ago. Whoa. See, thank you. I started it two years ago and I messed it up. I still have one of my first bottles here and it's sitting on my countertop. So every day I can walk by and be like, hey girl. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You, again, Mm. You mentioned something earlier about lessons. I'm glad you said that. So if y'all are listening, think about what he just said, when he started his journey with this and where he is now. These things take time. Like I know, and I preach this on this show all the time. People like to show you the end result, but you never get the full story. And people think you just run Mm -hmm. out. It's easy. I can do it in five minutes and it's done. But it's like, no, it takes hard work and perseverance. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you did put up a story one time about like a full batch of something you made and something went wrong. You had to throw it out. Like I prayed for you. I remember that. That was a while ago, but I prayed for you because I know what it's like when you're passionate about something and you're like, yeah. And then it comes out and you like, no, <laughs> like, and the money you spent on it. Mm-mm. You you want <laughs> you want you remember that? You know what I'm talking about? You want to share that? I remember it. I mean. That was the one batch that I posted and talked about. Mm. I didn't post all of them. What were you making that time? Was that soap? Butter. Oh, it's butter. Okay. Yeah, it was butter. And then there was also a batch of soap one time. It was my mango turmeric soap that I was making. And it just didn't come out right. What does that mean? It didn't come out right. The, The texture, the color, the consistency. Maybe I added the fragrance too soon. Maybe I didn't let it cool off fast enough. I don't know what happened. What I know is it didn't happen again. <laughs> I took my time after that. I was like, Mm-mm, that's like $500 worth of revenue going down the drain. <laughs> but check this. I was okay with that. It really didn't break my heart. 
Because not one time since I've been doing this business have I been in the red. Oh, nice. And four years later, I'm still going. So, I mean, I, I just really couldn't be upset. I was not upset. I was talking to one of my mentees and I told him, um, maybe this is not the business that will make me rich. Maybe this is what would teach me lessons. Hmm. And if that is its function, then that's what I will, that's what I'll oblige to. In the meantime, it's working for me. I'll continue to let it work. And as I make mistakes and as I learn, I will apply those lessons. I mean, I've learned people like, you're so good at branding. I'm like, really? I was just doing what I felt like worked or what looked right or felt right. Mm-hmm. I'm not no, I'm not no branding person and marketing person. I just understand how I'm wanting to look. And even if this is the business that supports me in learning how to trust my ideas and my creativity, it has served me well. And it is serving people there well. And it's serving others well too. So as much as people are, you know, grateful that I make it, I'm grateful that they trust me enough to get it. Wow. That's profound, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my broker from my real estate firm, shout out to Corwin J. Millette, always told me people buy people before they buy products. They're going to look at you and see who you are and what you're about, and then they'll support you. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've seen someone, I see their post and I see what they're about, and I'll buy the product just off of that, even if it's something I don't need. Even if someone complete strangers, I'm like, man, mm-hmm. that looks dope. I was like, I like what they're about. Let me Let me go support them real quick. So... You make some good points there. Now, you mentioned your mentees, but before we get there, tell us about your journey through education. So you talked about Maurice, and me and Maurice came into Claflin together. He will be on the show. I got to go bother him, especially now that he's he's a doctor and he's he's kind of finished his grind. Well, I ain't going to say finished, but he's over that hurdle, you know, moving on to the mm-hmm. next. I definitely got to holler at him, but oh, my God, that's, that's going to be Give a him like a week. So, okay. Give him like a week. Let him breathe just a little bit. I will do that. I will do that. But (laughs) I'm laughing, thinking about the foolishness we were up to at Claflin. So, but tell us about your journey through education and how you ended up where you are today. Um, so I mentioned, I forgot who said it, a process of failing fall forward. Um, I started at Claflin. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to do music or philosophy or if I wanted to do um, sociology, or if I wanted to do psychology. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So in the first year, I tried all of that. And then finally, I said, okay, well, I'm going to give this um, education thing a try. Well, the day I remember her name was Miss Abraham. I think that was her name. It was. I saw her a a few years ago. Miss Abraham, she was working um, in the School of Ed to some degree. And... um, I told her that I would make that decision. And that day, I went back home on campus. I went back home um, to Utahville, where I'm from. And I found an essay that I had written in elementary school where I said I wanted to be one of the world's greatest teachers. And so that was affirming for me. Hmm. Um, Then I got across the praxis hurdle. Um, Student taught and ended up teaching at Robert E. Howard, I think that's the school. I know it was Howard Middle in um, Orangeburg, uh, transitioned to Greenville so that I can do my master's EDS at um, Clemson. And I taught there for five and a half years, took a break, um, thanks to God, and um, 
and I uh, finished my PhD. And I was looking online one day and Upstate had this post for an adjunct professor of middle-level ed. Mm-hmm. I can give that a shot. I sent the email maybe a day or two later. I got a response that said, yes, um, you do meet the requirements. Let's talk soon. I sent the email again. We chatted. And I was there as an adjunct professor, you know, a couple months out of my program. And that December, I got hired on as a tenure track professor. Um, And so I've been now at Upstate now for right over three years, three years to be exact. Nice. Um, And I'm doing what I wanted to do. My um, uncle, some time ago, one of my uncles, he always tell me as a little kid, you just look like a little professor, just look at you. (laughs) Now, in retrospect, I don't know if he was kind of joking on the thickness of my glasses because I was nearsighted. Oh, no. Well, if he actually meant, you know, I see a professor in you. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people look like something and they, they want to keep it positive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I wasn't sure, but, you know, I was inspired by that. And so that's what I'm living in currently. Now, I'm a teacher, but I think what I teach is beyond the content that I teach. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, I see teaching as a tool of healing, as an instrument of healing. And although I am training up, you know, the next generation of teachers mm-hmm. and school administrators and counselors and such and instructional coaches, while I'm doing that, I had this suspicion that I'm doing a whole lot more. Um, so what the next 10 years of me would look like in education, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm fully present as to where I am and I'm kind of taking advantage of it. Wow, that that's beautiful, man. Your philosophy of education is beautiful and I'm with you. Um, I teach sixth grade right now. This is year 11. What year am I going into? I'm getting old. I'm going into year... 10 or 11, I can't even remember. Um, And I can't tell you how many times I've finished a lesson and then we just start talking about life and their future and what they're going through and what I've been through, those relatable stories. And it's funny, every year those principals, what man, these kids love you. like And I'm like, I treat them like people. And I'm just honest with them. I let them know that, hey, you know, even if you don't like school, this is just a part of your journey in life. Yes, these fundamentals and principles, some of these you will use when you get older. Some of them you won't. But beyond that, this is also you building social skills, you working on your study habits, you learning more about yourself as a student. When you're passionate about something, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to be the type to do stuff at the last minute? Or are you actually going to take some time and put some energy into it? And then beyond that, I think is even more important nowadays is kids have a thousand times more opportunities than we had growing up with just the internet and so many new businesses and just opportunities. But with that, you know, the floodgates are open for everybody. So it's like, what are you going to do to help distinguish yourself and, you know, not being pessimistic, but what's your plan B? You know, like now when you ask kids what they want to be when they grow up, they say they want to be YouTubers. 
and all these other mm-hmm. things. And I'm like, okay, but have you looked behind the curtain of a YouTuber? Do you know what it's like to have to constantly put out content and constantly post and edit audio and edit video and being able to um, transcribe it and read it? I'm like, a lot of these skills that you think you don't need or you you playing it off in school, you're going to have to take some of those math skills and reading skills and things of that nature and put it into whatever it is that you're trying to do. It may be easier because it's fun and you actually want to do it, but it's still necessary. So, yeah, it's definitely way more um, about for me about just, hey, preparing you for the other side of life, the other side of this academic stuff. So thank you for your service and your commitment to education and the future educators because, you know, we, we, we've been going through it. and <laughs> Student loan forgiveness for everyone. That's all I got to say. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mine getting on down there by getting on down there and i'm personally so sick of people in administration reaching out to me talking but you know anybody looking for a job any teachers who looking for a job and my question is typically so what happened to the teachers you had mm. why you let them go mm. mm-hmm. yep i just wrote a white paper on um there is no teacher shortage oh Tell us about it. There is no teacher shortage. Why do people who love teaching so much choose to go home and sit? We've got to ask some critical questions. Yes. So when we say there is a teacher shortage, we put the blame on the universities for not um, producing enough. Mm -hmm. Mm. Universities are producing they're going out every year. Yep. What is happening is we are losing teachers at a higher rate than we are replacing teachers. So you can sit here and say, well, you're not producing. Or you can look at the other side of it, you know, within the district, within the school system and say, we're not keeping them. Mm. But as far as I'm concerned, the pipe is leaking more than it is the, the contents that are coming through the pipes, which is teachers. Yep. The product. Yep. Um, so we have to figure out what we're going to do in terms of retention. Um, and teachers at, at a point now, they're saying, you're going to have to do right by me. Ooh. Yes. Yes. So, and when we say teacher shortage, we also say that within this relationship for, you know, commonly stated, the wife is being abused by the husband. Mm. You can't blame the wife leaving and putting herself first mm. because she needs to be all she can be for those chi- for herself one and a demonstration for those children yes yeah they may be you know a little tantalized if you will or traumatized by the fact that mom and dad separated but the lesson in that is you don't stay in a relationship where you're being violated, where you're being disrespected, where you're being degraded. The choice of staying is a cost. Yeah. The choice of leaving is a cost. Now, I was talking about the relationship between spouses. Let's get back to teachers. You can't blame teachers for saying, you don't even give me a lunch break. Can't blame teachers when parents come in, cussing them out, and there is no support. You can't blame teachers when they have to go join an association 
for protection and backup. Hmm. When we say teacher shortage, leave us people in higher ed alone. We're going to keep sending them. Y'all need to figure out why you can't keep them. You just lit a fire just now. Very relevant, man. And I mean, y'all, it's having I taught in South Carolina. I'm now in Virginia. And there are two, they're two totally different experiences. And one of the things that people talk about, it's been a running joke ever since I was in school, but people talk about teacher pay. And you don't really mm-hmm. understand it until you become an adult and you have bills and responsibilities. And it's like, oh, <laughs> like, as a teacher, if you are not extremely good at budgeting, there's a lot you will probably never be able to do because you don't know if you're going to get a step increase, which is a district level, hey, we're going to give you this next year. Or they're going to come and say, mm, yeah, we don't have the money. So instead of giving you that step that you're looking at, we just gonna give you 2%. We'll give you three percent. We'll give you two and a half percent instead. On top of all the other things, um, asking you to constantly volunteer and pulling on your heartstrings. Well, the kids need you. The kids, the kids, and it's like, yeah, that's cool. I'm here for the kids, but this is also a career. I also need financial incentive because there are things outside of these four walls that I want to do for myself. Like this isn't just who I am. I I could go on for days. Um, And you're right. Like just joining the association, like my association has fought for so many things. They got us, they had to fight to get us hazard pay for Mm -hmm. COVID. Um, They fought to get us raises and now they're, they're still fighting, I believe for collective bargaining. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just, yeah, just, just look at, I, I really wish there were just more, I wish it could be this way. More universal things that are like, hey, no matter where you teach in this country, you're guaranteed these things. Because now it's like you really got to dig deep into a district and see what they're actually offering you. Like in South Carolina, anything I did after school hours was volunteer. Up here, Mm -hmm. hey, if you want to do this, there's a stipend. Well, we had this program for tutoring. We'll pay you. So I'm like, okay, this is something I want to do, but you're also paying me. So the benefit is greater. But my cost of living is super high up here too. Like, there's just so many things. But you're right, y'all. I think a, another thing that people really need to do and districts should really do is, if a teacher is leaving, y'all should have exit interviews and really look yeah. at what they tell you and take that into consideration. The only time I left education was when I was personally burnt out and I could feel my attitude towards my kids changing, and I was like, "That's not fair to them." So I need mm-hmm. to back up. And reset myself because maybe this isn't for me anymore. Um, but now I'm back in it and I've refueled my passion. But um, yeah, retention is serious. Like for me, if I have a great admin, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, if I feel those things, like you said, if I feel like there's a problem or issue and I'm going to get supported and they're going to be the ones to put their foot down when it's quote unquote above me because I typically don't tap an admin unless I is it got to be real serious for me to tap into an admin like real serious but um those things matter man it could be the small things and you know oof yeah leadership is highly 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 important but we do yeah. need to get there's enough teachers out there y'all and um I don't know we, what we need to do to get this money up but if the money I think if the money was better 
and admin took more time. Like, I have a new admin this year. She was the vice principal last year. She's the principal this year. She set one-on-one meetings for every staff member before school starts. Good. And I sat in her office, and we talked for, like, 30 minutes, and she asked me some questions, and I shared feedback. And I felt valued, one, because I had a prior relationship, but two, this is someone who wants to do well, who knows what the Mm -hmm. last administrator did, who knew knew what their shortcomings were, who addressed those shortcomings and said, hey, here's what I'm going to do to rectify this. Is there anything else that I may not know about that I could do to help you? You know, because you want, because they want us to stay. We're not treated like, all right, we'll leave. I'll get another one anyway. Like the making, making people feel valued. Is 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 highly important, but man, yeah, this <laughs> well, at this point, people are leaving and they can't find nobody to replace them. Now you really got to do some reflection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, me. And so another part of that, and what I found in my study, I went to the teacher walkout on May first of two thousand nineteen, and that's where I, that's where my um my data source was from um, teachers and others who supported them, um, and a lot of them said. I'm not necessarily asking for more money. Mm -hmm. I'm asking for discretionary funds. If I don't have to use my 37,000 to buy classroom resources, I can take that money home to my four kids. That part. And so what I found is a study that was done, I think it was in Texas, um, where they surveyed teachers and they found that on average, teachers were spending over $1,000 Sounds about right. For supplies. If you give me more money, <laughs> you would almost expect me to get more stuff. Right. Yeah. So so what if you give them an increase in salary? They're also asking for protective planning. Mm-hmm. They're also asking for resources for their classrooms. All right, we had a little technical snafu, but you were saying teachers were asking for more than just, you know, that money wasn't just the thing that we're out for. Mm-hmm. They were saying, listen, I just want to teach. Why are we spending all these millions and millions of dollars on standardized tests? Oh. Like we're spending over, over $100 million on standardized tests, but when you look at the amount of money we're spending on PD, it's less than $20 million. That's a huge discrepancy. Very huge. What I want to know, because now that I've transitioned from elementary to middle school, I didn't see any testing data from elementary school. So I'm like, mm-hmm. well, what do we really... If, this, if these fifth graders are taking these tests and y'all want to get all these metrics, how come that those metrics are not traveling with them to the next grade level to be given to the next teacher, you know, for more insight on the student? Because it makes me, like, makes me seem like, well... That's not the end of their journey. They just finished the first part, the first one third, if you will, you know, of their journey through for, through these uh, educational levels. Where is this data? What are we really do really doing with this data? That data needs to, if we're spending all this money on it, it needs to follow along with the students so we can really track things. Because that was the first thing I noticed, and one of the first questions I asked when I moved to middle school, I'm like, well, are we going to go over to elementary school testing data? And everybody looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, oh, so they just stress all these little kids out who don't want to take these tests and then say, all right, that's it. Goodbye. Like, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. We we do need to do better in terms of vertical planning. Yes, sir. Vertical communication from first grade through middle school through high school. 
Yeah, I mean, there's just so many things. And oh man, when I think about how much money I spend in my classroom, <laughs> I just don't even. I, I I just don't even count. And then it's it's tougher now in middle middle school because I have multiple classes. Elementary, the most I ever had was two. So 50 mm-hmm. kids on average or 60 kids on average, I can handle that. But now you're talking about 120, 130. Yeah. And pencils disappear, y'all. I don't care what you say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got that right. Listen, I used to snatch the IDs in a minute. <laughs> you want a pencil? Give me your ID. The ID costs more than the pencil, so you better believe you want that back. Exactly. Oh, we we I'm a, we gonna say a special prayer for the teachers out there, y'all. I'm gonna pray for y'all, and include. I'm saying y'all like I'm not a teacher, but <laughs> I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna pray, man. Um, and I hope you know any teachers out there listening. I hope you are actually taking some time to relax because people don't understand. Y'all get summers off, you don't understand. Anybody who feels that way, I dare you to go volunteer at a school for about two or three months and see what a teacher has to do. And a lot of times, those people who come and volunteer, those jobs and tasks that you're doing, making copies and running around the building, that's usually what we're doing and trying to find some type of food Mm -hmm. to stuff in our mouths as we get it done. But we could talk about this all day, y'all. So one of the things I definitely want to touch on is your inspiration. You said your inspiration was your former self. And that that was so profound because I feel that way too, but I've never verbalized it. I've never even written it, but like some of the greatest lessons in life you can learn from yourself. So, you know, tell us more about that, sir. So one of my affirmations that I recite each morning is all that I need, I already have. I don't have to look outside of myself for anything. Yeah, you may be inspired by someone else's journey, but that's exactly what it is, their journey. Um, We can find so much we need to know about ourselves if we just tell the truth about what is. Mm -hmm. Um, My inspiration, meaning my former self, is looking at the relationships I've had, family, friends, Um, looking at the jobs, the places I've worked at, um, and instead of blaming um, the environment, ask myself, what was it about me that thought it was okay to sign a commitment letter? Mm. Uh, Mm. When I look at how relationships went south, I need to begin considering um, contradicting possibilities that are beyond the story that I told myself about it. Is what the, is there some merit to what they said? Um, and if this is what I believe, can that be absolutely true? Um, and so a lot of my inspiration comes from the evaluation of self, loving on the self, um, and sitting down the six-year-old boy and telling him, it's okay, I got, I got it from here. What you feared that would happen at nine years old, it didn't happen. And the nine-year-old, what you feared happening at 15-year-old, it didn't happen. And if it did happen, you made it to 16, you're good to go. I got it from here. Chill. You don't have to throw a tantrum. Considering the former self has been the platform that I've used to remain aware, to remain reflective, and to allow myself grace 
and looking back. Um, so I don't have to be so hard on myself because I remember where I was. And, you know, the easiest thing to do to grow is just wake up every morning. Continue to wake up. Um, and so as I woke up each morning, there lied or there appeared a new opportunity to, to give it another shot. Um, so that's my former self, not learning how to not criticize. Um, I'm reading this book now by um, Martha Beck, and she talks about how our culture may be different from our nature. Mm. Um, you know, we grow up learning how to make mom and dad happy. Yes. Stop crying. Here's a bottle. Um, don't run around. So we learn how to do the things that, number one, avoid getting us hit or beaten yeah. or from the low country, whooped. <laughs> <laughs> With a switch. With a switch. You got to go out there and pick your own switch. Pick your own way. switch. Lord have mercy. Okay. Um, we learn how to appease culture. Um, and it may be an act of disintegrity. Really coming into the knowledge of who we are. Um, and so me really reflecting on who I have been, um, the things that I thought were right, the things that I thought were true, I'm beginning to see that it was what appeased the environment at the time. It's what made everyone else comfortable. Um, so that's, that's my model right now. And even if I'm looking at someone else and there's a level of, there has been or previously a level of envy, I need to ask myself, was it, what is it I think they have that I don't? Mm -hmm. 10 toes, 10 fingers, two lungs, a heart, a brain, I got it too, because we all come from the same spores. Um, and so really, really just considering, um, who I've been reflecting a lot, um, giving myself love, giving myself grace and sitting down the little boy and reminding him, you okay, I got it from here. What? Hold on. I got to absorb some of that. <laughs> that was deep. <laughs> that was deep and very real, man. Um, I'm often harder on myself than I should be. And um, when you talk about going back and talking about, you know, the younger version of yourself and stuff like that, like sometimes we really do need to sit down and think about where we came from and where we are and what we do have. Like mm -hmm. there's been plenty of times where I've had to just stop and say, yo, like you got what you need, use what you got, focus mm -hmm. on self. Everything you just said to me sounds like self-love. That is self-love. You got to be self-love isn't just taking care of yourself physically with a spa day or a trip or something yeah. like that. It's also taking care of that mental part. Dig through some of that stuff that made you uncomfortable and have some conversations with yourself and work it out. And if you need therapy, go get therapy and get that done, yeah. too. But that self-reflection is highly important. You have to be you have to learn to be honest with yourself and to be real with yourself and. Another thing you just said, you know, the would you say the nature versus culture versus culture? Wow, that 
I feel like I'm in a therapy session because that is something I'm I've struggled with. Um, being yeah. a black man, like you know, some of the stereotypes that come along with being a black yeah. man, and then you know your peer groups. Like I went to elementary and middle school in South Carolina, then I moved to Philadelphia to finish middle school and high school. Total culture shift. Everything was moving a thousand miles a minute, and there were some things that just weren't in my nature, but I'd went along with it anyway to fit in or to be safe or whatever. And now that I'm grown, a lot of people laugh because I'm the friend. If you invite me out a thousand times, I might go out twice. That's just my nature. I'm very calm. I'm laid back. I'm cool. I'm a gamer. I'm introverted. That's just me, though. I have a podcast. I'm introverted. It's just me. But I've learned to accept that I don't have to be what everyone else thinks of me or what everyone else expects of me. I can just be me. Be comfortable here. And those who are with it, great. Come over here and gain all the benefits of a friendship or relationship with Rob. And if you're not with it and you can't accept it, that's fine. Go and be prosperous elsewhere. But leave me alone. And don't try to guilt me or make me feel bad for being myself. It doesn't mean I'm anti-you. It just means I'm being true to myself. There are just some things I'm not with. There There are a host of questions that I've had to ask myself over the years. Who am I? that I was raised in South Carolina? Who am I that I grew up Christian? Who am I that I was raised in a two-parent household? Who am I that I exist in in this universe as a male or that I exist as a black male or that I resist, I exist with darker skin? Um, Who am I that I grew up in this culture? Um, Who am I and how do I choose to use that? to express the truth of who I am. Mm. Um, And often you got to be willing to piss people off in the process of choosing yourself. Yeah. And here I was again, years ago, trying not to make people upset Mm -hmm. because we're taught that from children. Yeah. You know, instead of in in some homes, instead of wondering why you're sad, shut up. I give you something to cry for. Oh my God. That part. The ways in which we've conditioned ourselves to deny what we know is true. Man. Um, so I've had to do a lot of reflecting um, and still doing it, doing it daily. Have hard conversations with family and friends almost daily. I need to get there. <laughs> I've been getting mm-hmm. there. Um, I just had a conversation with my cousin and she told me to be, um, be aware of some of the people around me. And it really made me think because... Most of the the people I talk to the most that are around me on a daily basis, I know are for me. But she said there's 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 a person or two maybe that are opportunists and we need to be careful. And I need to really mm-hmm. reevaluate some things because I don't need that. Like I, I took a lot of time and years to really cultivate the relationships that I do have. And I was like, these are the relationships that. Is, that are mutually beneficial. These are the relationships mm-hmm. that are draining. If you drain it, I got to move you to the side. I can deal with you every now and again. I have to love you from a distance. Those that are mutually beneficial, I need to pull you closer because y'all are the ones that are helping me uplift myself and I'm helping uplift you so we can make it yeah. to that next level. We get it. Like, we here. Y'all can't see me, but mm-hmm. I'm doing the thing where you're pointing your eyeballs <laughs> and saying we here. Have you, um, have you written a book? Mm-mm. Are you go- <laughs> based off this conversation? 
I'm going to. I'm okay. going to. Yes, I'm going to. It's in the works. Thank you. You have a book in you, or or yeah, two or three, like a few of them. Yes, and I just have to sit down. So my lesson, I have some some annual lessons that just kind of appear. My lesson last year was don't take it personal because I offered some free consulting to some principals. And I said, listen, you just give me the date and I'll show up. Even if the date is next year, give me the date. I'll show up. Tell me what you need. I'll align my work to help you, you know, manifest those needs or whatever, address those needs. Nobody called. Mm. Nobody took advantage of it. And so in my mind, I was like, something is wrong with what I believe. Something is wrong with my work. Ultimately, something is wrong with me. That thing sent me to bed. Mm. And my lesson from that was don't take it personal because that level of conversation, some people just are not ready for. Yeah. My lesson this year is less availability. Yes. Yes. Because when you allow people to demand from you all the time, you don't have the time to really sit and reflect. And in this case, books sit and write. I won't always have that time if I fill my calendar. So when people ask me, what are you doing? And I said, nothing. That is actually a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's where I've been lately clearing up my schedule not always having something to do being less available yes because i can tell you're a thinker you're a ponderer much like myself and it's something that is really hard to put into words sometimes but like i tell people like there are times where i will wake up at one o'clock in the morning because or two o'clock in the morning because ideas are rushing through my head and i have to put these notes down and you get backed up with work with life you push those thoughts Mm -hmm. back and then they explode yeah. at one time. And it's like, mm-hmm. you need time to literally do nothing and just let those thoughts flow. All right, this is a trash thought. I can throw it out. Okay, this might be an idea I need to explore. Oh, this is something I didn't realize about myself. Like, that takes time and it takes focus and concentration. And sometimes you just don't want to be busy. Like, mm-hmm. like, to y'all, it might look, dang, all you doing is you just sit on the couch and that, that you just, you ain't do, well, you ain't doing nothing. I am. You don't understand what I'm doing, but mm-hmm. I am doing something. Just because you don't understand it doesn't make it, quote unquote, right or wrong. This is just me being myself, being in the environment and going through whatever it is that I'm going through. Don't take it personal, but this is just yeah. a part of who I am. You you are correct about that availability um, thing. I need to actually, I've worked on that. I've, I've, Definitely only give my time to the people and things that I know that I'm passionate about and that I actually care about. Because if I don't care about something, you'll be able to tell immediately. Like, <laughs> immediately. You'll be like, eh, Rob, get out of here. So I'll try to get, you know, get away from that. You know what I like to do when I don't want to do anything? What's that? I go get me some coffee somewhere and go people watching. You're a people watcher. So- uh-huh. <laughs> What is people watching? What so <laughs> not a whole hobby? What is people watching? Is. And what, do you, what do you get out of that? I go and I sit down downtown Greenville, beautiful, on a beautiful place on a rock, and I get me. Sometimes they have like a little vegan ice cream or whatever. I go get me some ice cream, or I go get me some coffee, and I just sit there and watch people walk by. And you you make up stories like her name is Clara. <laughs> Her husband left her for a younger girl by the name of Laura. 
They are both living in such and such and such. Make <laughs> up stories. And then some people would say, you're being judgmental. No, I'm not being judgmental. I just don't understand how their friends let them leave out the house like that. And so then I look at my friend sitting beside me and I'd be like, don't you ever let me do that. <laughs> or the Dr. Waltz in me would say, she could really use some butter. and so there i entertain myself in my head like my tv has not been on all day today it doesn't have to be on if i go people watching that is my tv we are funny creatures we are we We are. are hilarious we are entertaining we are interesting i don't have to go and watch Grey's anatomy i can go downtown greenville Yo, it is so true because we're with ourselves all the time, so we don't realize the things that we do. But I have people watch. I'm not really a people watcher, but I I have people watch. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I wonder if they realize that they just digging up their nose or that they just Mm -hmm. pulled out a wedgie in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, you do that all the time, huh? Like, we do so many weird, quirky things that we don't realize. Like, I pop my knuckles a lot and I pop. What is, I have something on my back. I crack my back a lot. I've been in a few car yeah. accidents. And, like, people, I, I've made rooms stop. And everyone's looking at me like, are you okay? And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I, and I don't even know what happened. They're like, you're mm-hmm. back. I'm like, oh, that, I always do that. Like, I don't even realize I'm doing it. Yeah. It's just a yeah. thing. So th- I think that's one of the funniest parts about people watching. It's just seeing their little quirks and things come out. And it's like, man, if someone brought that to their attention, they probably be like, oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, see, some people go places and do stuff, and they just happen to people watch. No, I go to people watch. <laughs> you know what? Thank you. I'm going to take my girlfriend on a people watching date. Put on some dark shades so nobody can't see, see you. See, now, you're a professional. You talk with your mouth, you talk with your mouth like this, and nobody can't see your mouth move, but they know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> and my low country people, they know what this means. Look, 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 look. Oh, yeah. You got to look quick when you hear that. So that's where I am. That is one of my favorite hobbies. You got to be over here crying, man. Oh, Dr. Lee, I only got two more questions for you. Um, But first, I need to plug Pass the Peas app. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're not following Pass the Peas, please follow us on Instagram. Um, Join the Facebook group. The link will be in the description, as well as all the information for Dr. Walter Lee. That link will be in the description. But for those of you who don't know, Pass the Peas app is a keepsake app that will allow families to archive and share family recipes and traditions. So no more searching for recipes. Shout out to my boy CV, Carl Van, the founder, creator, inventor. All things past the peas is through that brother, um, and I would like to thank him personally for allowing me to be a part of his vision. Um, and we will definitely keep y'all posted and be talking about that more on this show. So, in light of that, Doctor Lee, can you tell us about you know either a personal recipe or a family recipe that is attached to a great and loving memory for you? Yeah. So as a kid, I loved bread pudding. My grandma used to make it all the time. Um, And it was at the start of the pandemic in 2020. um, I realized that people were checking out of here. And I was like, listen, if you go, please don't take the bread pudding. No, you didn't say that. 
Listen, I, I didn't position it exactly that way. I said, Grandma, you know, I don't think our elders have been intentional about what they leave behind for us. Mm -hmm. um, and out of all the things you know and do, the one thing I want you to leave with me is bread pudding. <laughs> so I went and got all the stuff. She told me to come to the house and we made bread pudding together. Oh, that's um, beautiful, man. As she told me, there is no recipe. Like there are some things that you can count. You can count eggs. Yeah. When I said, how much sugar? She said, pour it. Grandma, how much flour? Pour until I say stop. Grandma, how much milk? Pour it, Anton. Dog it, pour it. And I'm like, I, this does not make sense to me. <laughs> well, I know how to make it now. And I just pour. You just pour until it feels right. That's one of those recipes. Um, I made some modifications to it. I don't like raisins as much as I like craisins. Mm -hmm. So I put craisins in it. Um, I like lots of apples. So I put a lot of apples in there. Some people put fruit cocktail and that's cheating. No, <laughs> cut your apples up yourself. Yeah. Um, and so that is that one recipe that has been in the family and that I've intentionally learned from my grandmother. Wow, man. Um, congratulations on that. I'm glad that you have, first of all, I'm glad you had the memory of being able to do it with her, mm -hmm. but you know, now you know how to do it yourself to carry on that tradition. Um, because there are so many of us who have lost someone and they had that recipe or that one thing that we loved and they're gone and they didn't leave it behind. So this is part of what, this is part of the goal of the app is to um, actually had those memories. And one of the things that CV does, and one of the things I know we're going to expand, we want to film those moments of you mm -hmm. with that loved one making the recipe so that when you go in the app, not only do you have the recipe, you can go back and take out that little block of time that you'd have yeah. with them and have the full memory. So thank you for sharing. Some of that. it I did record. Some of it I did record. Nice. But the one thing she taught me, she told me, she said, you're the only grandchild that ever asked to learn it, and I'm going to teach it to you. But she said, here's the thing. You can't tell nobody. Mm. Wow. So when my mom walked out the kitchen, she went to the fridge and got something and put in it. She said, this is what I put in there, but you can't tell nobody. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You ain't got to worry about it. <laughs> wow, man. Y'all get those family recipes. Yeah. Yeah, intentionally. It's not, and it's not even about the recipe. It's about the memory. It's about the energy yep. that they wanted to convey. That it took her three hours to do that because all she wanted was for you to enjoy it. Yes. yes. And so she passed on joy, and I plan to do the same. That is absolutely beautiful, man. Um, and you know, who doesn't love food? One of our family traditions, as we've gotten older. I don't know when it happened, maybe about four or five years ago, me and my cousins were sitting around because we're all pretty, we're all within 10 or 15 years of each other. We sat around and looked and we was like, yo, like, we old now, y'all. So <laughs> we started doing more because typically we all come to Charleston, all of our parents would do all the cooking and, you know, we would eat and we would clean up, yada, yada, yada. Now we do most of the cooking, mama sit down, you know, there's a couple things they would still won't let us touch, but... We try to do most of the cooking and stuff like that. And then the day after Thanksgiving, because apparently my family just doesn't like <laughs> leftovers, we do a seafood feast where the parents, we invite them back. 
All y'all sit down, relax. We boil crab. We cook up all the seafood, and we serve y'all as a thank yeah. you. And then, you know, just looking at the generational shift is like our parents and them, they're getting older now. They're senior citizens. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be slaving in the yeah. kitchen. It's our turn. So passing those peas. Um, lastly, Dr. Lee, what do you want to share with the audience? What are you working on? What do you have coming up? All those beautiful things you want to promote right now. Yeah, one of the things I've been working on is lots of affirmations. And um, uh, one of the things that I affirmed were opportunities to share what I've learned. Like I told you, I'm a student, not an expert. Um, So what I've been really working on is um, preparing for speaking engagements. And so people have been calling and I've been obliging um, and showing up. Um, So what can they expect? A little bit more of hearing me. hearing the thoughts, me conveying the energy um, of healing. I believe that my work on my, my mantra for um, Walter Lee is healing through love and critical insight. Um, and so I hope that as I continue to gain trust to share on multiple platforms, that um, the work of healing would accompany me as I go forward. So that's one of the things they can look forward to. And if they just really want to, and they don't want to wait for that to happen, they can just go to www.drwaltz.co and get them some butter so that they don't have to be like the lady I saw downtown Greenville and be ashy. (laughs) I will personally vouch for these products, ladies and gentlemen, get some of that oil as well. The oil will literally replace any lotion that you'll have, you will look good, you'll smell good, and it will lock in the moisture all day. I'm going to share a little personal story. Um, those of you who are really close to me may have noticed this, but maybe not. Typically, by the end of the day, I don't know why, because I put lotion on every day. Typically, by mm-hmm. the end of the day, my big toe is ashy. I don't know why the top of my big toe gets ashy at the end of the day, but mm-hmm. it always does. Since I started, even with my expensive lotion that I use, I don't know what it is. And it's always the one on the right foot. I don't know. It, it just always happened. My girlfriend makes fun of me. Since mm. I've started using this oil, it has, it's gone. So to me, for me, that's a testament to this oil, not just my whole body. But y'all may laugh and think that's funny. But like that's something I literally have noticed for years about myself. And I've always laughed and I've always dabbed lotion on it. But... I'm so used to looking at it and checking it that since I started using this oil, I'm like, oh, it's not ashy. Like, it was surprising not to see it. So I'm like, dang, this stuff is real. Like, I already know it's working, but I was like, it's really working. It's outworking this other stuff I'm using. So take that how you will, y'all. I just wanted to share my personal experience with that. And um, about your big toe. The big toe. So, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Dr. Walter Lee, thank you so, 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 so much for joining me and sharing your experiences. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, all the links to his information will be in the description. Please click on it. Support this young brother who is out here doing his thing, sharing a positive message, especially about this um, self-discovery and self-reflection. That's very, very, very important. Um, like I said, y'all, you know, fmepodcast.com is coming soon. You can follow us at fme underscore podcast on Instagram and on Fanbase. And from my experience, podcast everywhere. And I want to encourage y'all, please, 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 please 
share the podcast man share it i want this message to get out there to the people who need it the most so until next time take care of yourselves physically mentally financially we'll catch y'all next time peace